This is Wayne Jernell, editor of Theory and Research in Social Education, and this episode of Visions of Education features a TRSC published author. Enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Michael, I was a high school student in, who graduated in 2000. I'm very proud of that, that I that I graduated this millennium, this century, right? I beat you by two years, although in the other direction, so. Yeah, no, I know, you're right, you're ancient is that right yeah no yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) so when i was in school you know we we did have i think like metal detectors at my school but but when i it wasn't until like you know i was well i was actually in high school when columbine happened right and the columbine shooting yeah and as a teacher you know in this uh kind of a a semi-suburban school in oklahoma city i don't think that there was really a lot of fear around, you know, our daily lives, like our safety of our students. And so I didn't, haven't had to experience that. I mean, and I hear so many teachers today talk about having to, you know, do preparation for, Mm -hmm. you know, possible tragedies, including, you know, gun violence or the school, you know, being overrun. And you also have now angry parents coming into schools and stuff. I mean, what's the context for you and, and teachers you talk to? Um, so yeah, I feel like the past couple of years, it's been a little bit more unnerving. I know that we just revamped our, we used to have like the system where we'd say code blue and you'd have to, I think code blue is to leave the building. Um, but recently they've actually just revamped our system. And so actually everyone in the whole town uses the same thing. So like we'll have when during lockdown, it'll say lockdown, 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 go like stay out of sight. And so everyone will know that that's lockdown. And so the, it's very clear and we know what to do. Um, and so we, it's something that we are very cognizant of. We actually just had a drill the other day. Yeah, it was a lockdown drill. And so, I don't know. I feel like as teachers, I mean, it's nerve, it's nerve wracking. Then we try to kind of put it out of our minds. I know that I, it's not a conversation that we'd like to have with each other um, about like, you know, when there's a school shooting, it's not like something that we, want to really discuss too much, mostly because there's a lot of fear um, and anxiety and it's, it's just not a topic, but, you know, obviously we haven't had, we haven't had any tragedies, you know, hit us. And so I'm very thankful. How do you, how do you think the students experience it, right? This kind of impending idea. And I know this is not a totally new idea. Maybe the idea of school shootings is more prominent, but you know, you had the bomb shelter drills. So how do you think students react to these? Do they do they try to like kind of brush it off like you're saying, or, or is it something they, they talk about or feel trauma for? So, I mean, obviously like I'm not uh, a trauma specialist by any means. And, and I understand there's probably a longer term impact, but in the immediate impact, it's just something that we do. It's not, I, I know that when there have been school shootings uh, in the past, they've been a lot more upsetting, but since there are so many, it, it does seem to be, and I think desensitized is, is definitely the wrong word, but it does, there's so many of them. It's just, it happens. And so I think it's something that we all just kind of push, push off and not push off. And I don't mean to dismiss anything, but like, it's something that we just kind of move forward um, in our own kind of minds. 
So maybe this is one of those cases where we could bring in somebody who's, you know, got some wisdom on this topic. Who could help oh us yeah, maybe, please. Yeah, maybe there's better approaches than just everyone trying to pretend and hope. Just like put your head not, in the sand. It's not it, happening, yeah. right? It, yeah, which which I feel like is like an anxiety coping strategy, probably right, just to avoid it. Although I know whenever I avoid anything, I probably the anxiety just builds up somewhere mm. else inside. So. So yes, we're not bringing in a therapist, but we are bringing in a researcher who can talk to us a little bit about this. So we would love to welcome into the podcast, um, Dr. Bjorn Wansik. Welcome. Thank you. So Dr. Wansik, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and your background in education? Yeah, thank you. Yes, my name is uh, Bjorn Wansik. I'm uh, I'm, uh, situated in the Netherlands, in Utrecht City. I, I worked as a, a history teacher as an, and as a social science teacher. So these are the two different subjects in, in the Netherlands. And now already for 70 years, I'm, I'm working at Utrecht University. So uh, I'm trained as an historian, but also got a PhD in, in, in social science. And I, I work as a teacher trainer, but I also work for different projects. For example, we have one project, in, well, I, which I will tell you later about, which is called Ter Info, which is a, it's, it's, it's a project in which we, with multiple researchers from different disciplines, when something disruptive happens in society, like riots due corona or terrorist attacks, we come together and we prepare letters or lesson plans for teachers. I also work for Euroclio, which is an organization. It's the European Organization for History Teachers. And there I work in post-conflict societies and help teachers and think with teachers along how to teach history from multiple perspectives under yeah, tough conditions in, in post-conflict societies. So, okay, let me get this right. So you, you, part of your job is to actually help teachers and educators respond when crises happen. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. We do not have that job in the United States, to my knowledge, Michael. Do, <laughs> do we have anyone that does that? I've never, I've never heard. And that seems like such an important job. Right. It seems like it makes a lot of sense. So we're already maybe learning like we need some people who can help in those types of situations. So do you do you, you write lesson plans that then get sent to teachers? Do you do workshops with them, too? What other what else does your job look like? So, yeah, it, it is it is also not really a job. It, it's something that I do because I think it is important and I think it's missing. So also when I was a teacher, <laughs> I would really like to have those lesson plans when I was in a tough condition or the next day and I had to discuss events with, my, with the class. There was nothing. So it's something that we took up as, as the university as we think, okay, it, it is important to do this. And what we do, yeah, yeah, I write lesson plans, but I also, of course, write scientific articles and so on. Uh, and I travel a lot, go to schools, talk uh, with teachers, talk with, with students, with, with pupils about how they experience all these events and i also research okay what is very controversial or what what are polarizing topics nowadays in, in society and how can you address them in the classroom in in a safe environment yeah so th- thank you for telling us about your background and and the reason we're having you on today and we can talk a little bit about some of your other projects too as we work through this is that you published an article in theory and research in social education yep. so first and foremost congratulations it's a very difficult uh, journal to get accepted to thank you so the, the title of the article is Teaching Under Attack, the Dilemmas, Goals, and Practices of Upper Elementary School Teachers When Dealing with Terrorism in Class. Can you tell us about this project and, and the research paper? Yeah, I, I, 
I, I, will, t- I will tell the story because I, I told you about this project Ter Info, which is a, a project of Utrecht University. And I had a, uh, we had the idea to interview teachers and, and pupils uh, from primary education. This is uh, like a nine till 12 about their ideas about terrorism. Because everything was set, we had the ethical committee, everything was done. And I was sitting with my students, two students at the, at the university. And then I watched my iPhone and I received an email. There is an attack going on in Utrecht City. At that moment, we were just discussing in two weeks, we were going to have these discussions about terrorism. And it was really, really, really strange because we were planning to do these interviews. And then the attack was really there. And we didn't know what was happening. We received like emails or Twitter, like terrorists are coming to the university and they will shoot everyone. So it was super frightening. And nowadays it's quite normal to have a lockdown, at least in the Netherlands, due Corona. But mm-hmm. I never experienced a lockdown before. That was the first time that the whole city was placed under a lockdown. So you couldn't go out of the university. It was a very strange situation because there were also students that wanted to go into the university, but they couldn't come in the, into the university as well. So there were lines standing before the university. Everybody was super excited. What, what, what is going on? Uh, at that moment... We also start to plan, okay, let's, let's start to write a lesson plan, how to deal with this tomorrow in class. So we did with our team, we start writing a lesson plan and we managed to write this entire lesson plan and to send it to all the schools in Utrecht and in, 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 in around Utrecht uh, that same evening. But it was also, of course, very complex because we didn't know what exactly was happening. But at the same time, the teachers also didn't know. So how can you discuss something which is really, really unclear, but you have to do something. That was, of course, a a big challenge. And then later on, two weeks later, we had planned those interviews about what is terrorism. And then, of course, we had the opportunity and everybody talked about this uh, attack because it it, it was an attack on on a train in, in, in Utrecht. People were killed. And Yeah, and then we asked, and we had the opportunity to ask the teachers, okay, how did you respond? And we also asked uh, pupils. So the pupils are not in this paper, but we also have the data uh, about how the the pupils responded uh, on on this attack. Oh, wow. So I can just, uh, I I know that when we had the insurrection a couple in January, that's one of the things, the first things we did was like collaborate as a department and then with other people to kind of figure out what to do. But it does, it seems like a very difficult task to do so in what you're doing. How did the teachers receive it and how were they, did they feel like what, I can just only, only imagine how anxious they must have been to use the, the lessons, just not because they're, but just because it's a very terrifying time. Yeah. yeah. So, so the lesson plan that we wrote, of course, was for the day after. So, and the article is about the day itself. So we interviewed the teachers, uh, what did you do? When you heard, okay, there is, this, there is a terrorist attack going on. The school is closed. So what do you do? And then all things came up. And there are different things that are yeah, that, yeah, kind of striking, I would say. That, for example, in, a teacher was said, the, the school leader came into the classroom. And you can say nothing to the children. Because they were afraid that they were, they were very frightened. They would become very frightening. It is the job of 
the parents to, to tell to the ch children what is going on. At the same time, the children, these are 10 years old, are sitting on the telephones. What is going on in the city? What is going I received there, there are multiple attacks. Where there were not, no multiple attacks, but every, it was total chaos. Yeah, and if I have learned anything in the last year, two or three, I don't know, it's that withholding information does not seem like a good way to address problems. <laughs> you know, we've had, we had some of this during the coronavirus pandemic where leaders, you know, instead of just being honest about problems like withheld information, it ended up causing distrust and more problems later. So I'm guessing that most people just ignored this notion of, of just not talking about it, right? That was pretty untenable, I'm sure. Yes, and it also it was really different for, for schools. So some of the school leaders, some of the teachers heard nothing. Others were very supported. Uh, because also for the school leaders, of course, it was a totally new situation. This is not something that had happened before in the Netherlands and also nothing that, that schools really prepared for. So it was very, yeah, very, very luckily unusual, uh, this, this type of situation. So what we saw and what the teachers talked about is first, is creating a safe environment for, for, for the students, for the pupils, just to share their opinions. But they also, they, they couldn't really comfort them because they did not know themselves what was going on. And of course, you also have to understand that they were afraid for themselves, but also for, the, for example, for their family or wife or husband working near, near the place of the attack. It, it was an unsafe environment. At the same time, they, they said that they managed to create a safe environment, there was no panic. So I think that, that that is important. What we also see is that it was very different for the students in, in those classrooms. For example, a teacher talked about refugee background. They were traumatized because they were it was right coming back their experience in in in, in the countries they came for where they experienced shooting, and then again in this situation. So these were yeah traumatized again very different from children that never experienced any violence before. But we also have more like rough, rough neighborhoods in, in Utrecht. And for them, they, they said, okay, yeah, we had, a, we, we had a shooting yesterday in our neighborhood. So, uh, for example, what's the difference? So it really depends also on who is in the classroom and how they, uh, how they react. So... I'm I'm curious too. In the United States, oftentimes these types of attacks or the fears around them can often be politicized in different ways. And in this case, the attackers, right, the terrorists in this case were Muslim, correct? And yep. so you then have probably the challenge of of Islamophobia being yep. a response that some people could have in the community, in the school. How do how do teachers address you know um, issues of like Islamophobia in a case like this? Yeah, they address it, but at the same time, it's also very hard because what we found is that they have little knowledge, in general, little knowledge about terrorism and how to address it because uh, we have all kinds of different types of terrorist attacks. Uh, there are Islamic uh, extreme right attacks and so on. And they have to deal also with different type of reactions because, yes, there is Islamophobia, very strong, I would say. And, and, uh, but we also have a small subgroup of students with Islamic uh, backgrounds 
and they can also react more like not not supporting the a, attack but they might uh, some of them support motives behind the attack so this is also super complicated for teachers to, to deal with lately we have the samuel Paty attack which was the beheading of a teacher in, in paris and then we had the same kind of similar uh, situation so all then for for example everybody uh, said okay these are the muslims which is of course totally not true but there was a small subgroup not supporting the attack but supporting in this case it was showing a cartoon which was uh, related to blasphemy and and i think yeah that's that's important to distinguish supporting uh, attack or supporting the motives yeah yeah, we, I mean, we have similar issues. I mean, unfortunately, terrorism has often been tied to Islam since 9-11 in particular in the United States. Wayne Jurnell actually wrote a really good, um, who's the editor of Theory and Research and Social Education, he wrote a really good chapter in the Keywords book I co-edited a few years ago on terrorism and the importance of helping students understand the issue more broadly, because then you can start to see, because in the US, oftentimes there's, there's a lot of far-right, white nationalist type terrorist attacks that happen, but they're often not labeled as terrorism, right? And you have people in the community, in the schools who may be sympathetic or even, you know, support those things too. So we see, we can see in probably any society, right? You can see cases where these political, larger political issues are taken up. Yeah. So what else can you tell us about what you learned about in talking to these teachers about how they address this incident of the surrounding and after the terrorist attack yeah maybe first come back to, to what, what what you're saying at, about uh, providing knowledge i think that is very important so what we do with this platform called Ter info is that we go into the schools and, and and tell them about tourism it goes in different waves tell them about statistics tell them it isn't that there are different types of terrorism because also, uh, and that's that's the problem, and there's also I re- I recognize it from from the Netherlands as well that also teachers frame it only as terrorism related to Islam, which is of course is not true. So I would say to take, and that is also what we call to take a more like an historical pers- perspective on, on on terrorism is is very important, and, and to make it part of the curriculum uh, or something like that, at least to be knowledgeable about what terrorism is is important, and also to understand the facts more like statistics in terms of fear, because students or pupils, especially of young age, they do not have really the the capacity to make sense of what's going on. So they construct these kinds of horror stories uh, for themselves. And I think for parents and also for teachers, it's super important to address those horror stories and and to put them in a perspective, because that will, yeah, you can see, and, and, and we do see, that uh, young children develop trauma, of course, because of, of these types of situations. And you really have to take care of, of, of trauma. So what you see is that teachers, even after the days, kept talking about the, the attack and, and, and the emotions. So that's important. The other hand is, that's, that's a kind of dilemma. When you start talking about it, also children become more can become more afraid so when when do you start talking about terrorism do you help them or is it not helpful and uh, do you make them more afraid so that's a difficult question i would say so it's just it seems like there's a lot of complexity to like obviously like that day like obviously your job is to keep the students safe 
That's the first and foremost. And then realizing that different groups are going to have different experiences with it. So it seems like you need to be very nimble in terms of like how you are handling it with your students and making sure that you're checking in and you're understanding them. And so one of the things you're talking about is to historicize or to like talk about like the history of terrorism. Now, is that something you're talking about doing the day of, or should this happen well before? Or like, when would you, when would you start that? Well, way, way before, I would say, when, when you talk about conflict, I think the, the, the work is done in peacetime, not in wartime. So uh, you have to prepare all type, types of conflicts while creating a safe classroom environment for any controversial topic. You, you do the work before. So this is uh, knowing the perspectives of your students in the classroom, knowing who's there, know that there, are, there might be different perspectives on this. If it is terrorism, COVID or, or, or something else, you have to know the perspectives. You have to create a safe environment, just talking about football or basketball or, or what else. And then the trust is super important when you go into conflict and then then you go back okay well, we have this relationship together and now we can now we can discuss it the same is for for telling the, this narrative about terrorism then when something happens you can go back okay we talked about this we have this context what is happening and so of course the teachers at that moment didn't have knowledge to take this more historical perspective and i think the first thing you do is just be sure that the that everybody is safe and everybody can share their emotions. There is no cognitive room for children to talk about the history of terrorism. They're, no, they just want to say they are afraid or uh, what's, what's going on and uh, feel safe. And the same for the teachers. I think they have no room for themselves as well. It's, it's very basic, feeling safe. And try to make sense of what, what's going on, especially in, in the social media world. I'm sure that was one of the difficult parts of it, right, is that, that there was so much unclear information spreading around at the time. Is that one of the things that teachers can do is try to like encourage people to maybe like get away from social media or trying to, to, to look there because it, you're going to see a lot of false or misleading information? Yeah, at least some of the teachers said that to their children. So, okay, I'm not going to tell what was happening. We don't know. We don't know yet. We will later on. But it's important, for example, eh, we live in, in a society. We have police. You should not be afraid. Comfort your students. Like, eh, we have everything in place. And, and then later on, okay, we don't know yet. Maybe let, let, let's stay to the facts. If possible, of course, because they were also uncertain. But then, okay, what media should you trust? And and, and not all the, the, the Twitter feeds that are going on do do not look at Twitter because we we do not know. But of course, that's that is more like sensation, and 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 that's what what students and, and people like. They go to media and I think, oh no, what's going on? Blah blah blah. But even at the time, also the all the, the other media also didn't know what was going on. They didn't know if it was a kind of lone wolf or if it was a planned attack with, 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 with multiple attacks at the same time in different places in Utrecht. So that, of course, was very frightening. And that's also why they said, OK, there is straight away a total lockdown of Utrecht City. It's fascinating because you would, you know, you would think that social media would be helpful in responding to a crisis because you can communicate faster. But a, a kind of unintended consequence of it, right? is that we actually may benefit from like slower news because then you get more accurate news. 
So for educators and maybe for people who are even doing more research, what advice would you have for people facing or teachers uh, facing this sort of situation? I think it's important at least that, that, that the school is talking about these issues. And I think maybe then uh, when I heard you, then in the, in the United States, th- these are issues that are discussed because of school shootings and so on. And in the Netherlands, that, that is not really the case. So as I told you, as how the school leader is reacting, that, that shows me that it was not discussed before. I think that that's super important. And also among teachers, okay, how would you react? What can you do? And of course, this is a super specific situation. This is really super unexpected. But in general, most of the controversial topics that come up are teachers are often confronted with unexpected remarks of, of children as well. So you can train them uh, about that as well. So this is, this is more specific, but I think in general, you should train teachers how to react on those very unexpected uh, remarks of, of students and how to deal with those really extreme perspective and so on. In terms of research, I think we need more research in general about controversial topics, but I would like to see more research about these, these really super unexpected e- events. For example, the insurrection in the United States, I would be really, really interested if there's research going on in the, in the United States at, at this moment, how teachers reacted on that specific moment in the classroom. It might, it might be very comparable. I know there is research in, in Israel. Unfortunately, Israel has to do with more terrorist attacks than the, than the Netherlands. So there's research over there as well. And also what they do is research with even younger children. So four years, three years, five years old. So we managed to speak to 10 or 12 year old children. What I know also for my own children, they're five or four, they also experienced the terrorist attack. But it's very difficult to interview those young children and to get ethical consent because you might frighten them more when doing an interview. Then. So this is a, a kind of forgotten group. But I will be super interested in this group and how they experience violence and terror in society and what it will do with them. And I know when we have discussions, they know terrorism they call yeah there is a kind of villain walking with with a knife on the street and they are afraid and who is discussing that and i think especially teachers that are teaching in 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 primary school at that age they are all who is trained in discussing controversial controversial topics it's mostly secondary education but do we train teachers that teach to four or five year olds how to deal with controversial topics or terror i think not maybe in the united states but in the netherlands we do not but those children might be the most vulnerable children. So that might be a blind spot. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. That's something we need to know more about. I, I can tell you, though, that I'm actually uh, working on a research project with Marie Heath where we, we actually looked at a Twitter chat, the SS chat, Michael, uh, that happened after the insurrection to try to kind of yeah. understand how teachers responded. They, they basically got together online and all said, what are we going to do tomorrow? And in fact, the, I mean, in a sense, like the legislative part of the insurrection, which happened that night, hadn't even happened yet. And so there's a lot to learn about all this, but I do find so often adults attempts to protect kids. Sometimes it feels misguided when, you know, I think being, finding the appropriate, honest way to do it oftentimes can be more reassuring. I find the unknown far more fearful myself. And I I wonder if that's similar for kids. So I would love to see more research to understand how kids respond and make sense of it. I wouldn't be surprised if they sometimes are the ones that help adults 
cope with with tragedies too yeah but uh, that's also what we experience of course when we're doing the trainings and we, we go to school to talk about terrorism we also of course might have reactions of parents or we have reactions of parents we do not want you to talk about terrorism with my child because yeah. you might right. make, them, make them afraid make them afraid and at the same time, they know what type of rifles terrorists have and what, what kind of cars they're driving and they, they're watching movies and so on. And the parents do not know. Because this is also when we do a workshop, for example, with parents and children, we ask, okay, what do you think your children knows about terrorism? And they say, well, not so much. And then we ask the children and they say, whoa, what's going on? And this is only terrorism. And that's probably true for, for many things in society related to terror or conflict and so on. They know so much. And, and, and the parents think, oh, these are all very small children, innocent. No, they're not. They're not. Oh, they're innocent, but they know a lot about what's going on in terms of violence and terror in society. And it's better to be open about it. And, and then, because that's also what we see all in, in other research. They, they construct their own narratives about violence, about terror. And they mostly often, often are very misinformed. But every, everyone is a narrative being. You construct your own narrative just to, to understand the world. And children do the same. And they use all types of information, the internet, what, what, what the kids are saying at the street, at the school, and so on. And then they construct their own narrative. And if you do not address that narrative, it might be a, a narrative that is very frightening, can be lead to trauma, not based on facts. And then you can say, okay, well, we'll not talk about that narrative or about trauma, they will have, if, if there is a lockdown, if there is an insurrection, they will know for sure with all social media. We should address it, but on a safe way based on facts and, and taking account their age and so on. But to not tell, it's not, it's not a solution. At least not in my opinion, but my, people might disagree with me. But that's okay, but I would like to have a discussion then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you, you know, one of the problems we sometimes have with schools is the notion that school is just a place to get facts about things, right? To learn how to multiply and to learn scientific facts and things. But I, you know, that's not the, the idea of what I think schools should be. I think they need to be places that are responsive to the world we live in and making the world better. But not all parents come in like that. And we deal with plenty of that in the US, those perceptions, and then schools cannot be responsive. And oftentimes the parents are asking, you know, not to talk about topics that the kids already are talking about, right, themselves, as you kind of pointed out. So, so this is really helpful. And I think US educators, educators in Canada, a lot of the other people who listen to our podcast, you know, can learn a lot from your study and, and the ways that you all approach things in the Netherlands. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that, that's what you're saying, like the, the parents also, I'm doing also research in post-conflict society. And there, of course, also parents, but also communities of veterans, they have an enormous impact on what is told in, in schools, especially in post-conflict societies, because there are all, all these types of narratives. Uh, people are prouder of their own narrative. And when you attack mm -hmm. that narrative or put it in a perspective, at the, uh, uh, probably you have the same in, in, in the United States about politics, of course. Yeah, that's difficult. And there is a lot of pressure. And, and, and what I do see, and, and that's also a, a difficult part, is that the teacher is between like the more uh, his approach of, of history and scientific knowledge and the parents. And, and you, you, you take an in-between position, but you also, 
it's also very difficult if you say, okay, what your parents are saying is not true. That's also very problematic. That might be the case with for all types of conspiracy theories and so on. So you have to take a position. And here the, the, you have different responsibility as a teacher. On the one hand, you're a history teacher. So you, you should tell the facts like and more the methodological parts of, of history. On the other hand, you also have to take care of the social part of that child and have to take care. Okay, he has to live in a safe home environment. That's important for this child as well. So how do you deal with those different responsibilities as a teacher? On the one hand, you see what the kid has learned at home is fake, not true, for sure, conspiracy. At the same time, he has to have a safe home environment as well. And we need more research about this conflict, I would say. That would be very good. So I would like to read a paper about this very complex issue. Bjorn, is that research, are you doing research on post-conflict society now? Yeah. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. If you ever want to come back to talk about that, because that is fascinating. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. And, and, in, in a half a year, there, uh, there will be an article published in, in, in the Journal of Peace Education. And that is, we interviewed 13 teachers that are working in post-conflict societies, brokering multi-perspectivity. And we also organized a uh, symposium on the uh, ARA in San Diego. So I will come to San Diego to present this study. And currently I'm working on a, on a project in, in which we interview, we have 13 cases of post-conflict countries. They are, they are working on uh, international textbooks, transnational textbooks. So for example, Israel, Palestine writing a textbook or uh, no, former U Yugoslavia or Pakistan, India or Japan, Korea. And uh, we are interviewing them about the process, how to write such a, a textbook from different perspectives. Yeah, no, that seems very difficult. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to have you back if if you would like to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so it's super interesting. Dr. Wansing, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully, if if coronavirus and COVID permit, I'll also be in San Diego, so maybe we can meet up and in, in person and and have a drink. So. Um, that will be great. Yeah. Yeah. Happy yeah. To. So thank thank you so much for for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. Really nice to talk to you. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Yeah, Google Schooler. So most of my work is is, is on Google Schooler. I, I think uh, theory and research is open science, eh? so they can just uh, find it in in open science. I also um, write a lot in 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 Dutch which is, of course, not uh, readable. Uh, yeah, but most of it, is, it, it it's, open, it's open access. And there are six or seven uh, articles in review right now, and they're all about conflict. And, and, and three are about observations of teachers teaching about controversial issues in the classroom and uh, what, what do, what, how do they teach about it and how do they react on extreme statements and so on. Well, we will be sure to link to all of that in our show notes. So anyone interested in looking at more of your work can find it. So again, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And maybe even there's also a, a, a page from, from my university. I can send you the, the link uh, of the pen and they can also see the, all the stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll get it in there and certainly we'll, we'll read those papers and hopefully people will be tweeting about them and talking about them in the streets and we'll continue the conversation <laughs> in San Diego. <laughs>
We are all about sharing the learning at the Visions of Education podcast. If you're doing something fun or creative in education, or you just want to chat and we get it, sometimes times are tough. Tweet us at Visions of Ed. We're also sometimes on Facebook. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Ed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you'd like us to be. I'm never on Facebook, but you can write us a five-star reviews. That's my Facebook. I go there. I check it just like I'm checking in with the world. And when there's nothing, it's like no one's talking to me. So please leave a five-star review. And thank you, Zach Seitz, for editing this episode. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 And until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast. Signing off.